Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Well, it goes without saying, Super Bowl week is uh, incredibly busy. Lots of cool stories around the game, but the league chugs on, and now all the jobs are full. So if you haven't heard, Levy Smith, former Bears, former Bucks, former Illinois coach, is is the guy in Houston uh-huh. with the Texans, and Dennis Allen, former Raiders coach, gets a second chance in Saints land. And I got to tell you, both kind of feel like what the hell? Where am I? Uh, where else am I going to get a chance? Right. I mean, they're both they're both one's a, th- a three time, you know, it's mean, but retread. The other's a, uh, a second chance guy. Look at the situations they're walking into. And the Saints uh, uh, are seventy six million dollars over the cap. Sean Payton was like, eh, "I made a mess. I'm not going to be around to clean this up." I, I don't know how much I I I don't mind the. I know Lovey's been around, but maybe they're just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because it's. I'm fascinated I, by it, man, because that organization I don't, I don't is want so to be weird. the one that sit here and goes, well, they're just doing it to meet a quote. You know, I don't want to say, I don't want to do well, I don't that think because, anyone's going to hire. Because like, I, I think he's I, a good coach. I don't think anyone's going to hire someone to meet a quote. I don't think, I mean, could the league go, hey, please take a look? Because the way it's gone so far is embarrassing. But I don't think, especially. Nick Casario, the GM, and this other Jack Easterby guy, I'm starting to think it's more of there were a lot of candidates they talked to who were like, eh, you know what? I'm not that enthused about this job, and I'm not sure that anyone should. The roster, I think, is okay, but they're still in a, a long rebuild unless Davis Mills you know, next year surprises the blank out of people. But those guys, those two guys running the thing, are they're weird, man. And then you got an owner who's, you know, they played they played a couple of games and they looked competitive and they did they did some things well. So maybe the idea behind it is that let's bring let's get this thing st- stable. Let's get someone who maybe could stability that's got an old school hand that could come in here with a defensive mind because a lot of times they were in games and they just couldn't hold them off. But right. so let's maybe and they that's also the trade, case. They traded a bunch of players they from did. out under Cully yep. to hurt his chances. Yeah. So I. I Oh, uh, I and of course, I hate to say it like this, but I'm always going to look at teams that have a local kid that 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 has a promising future, not just you know he's filling a roster spot, and and hope for the best. So you know, I would obviously hope that something happens with the Houston Texans for Brevin Jordan's sake, because I think he he I think he tied for the lead among rookie tight ends for touchdowns. So, I mean, just in general, I I hope that the culture changes and that. That they can turn things around. Lovey Smith can go in there and do some good for the program, the organization itself. And if it's if it's to sort of bring that experience and stability, and then wherever they move on, cool. You were out at the Pro Bowl practices. You had a chance to talk to some of the guys about the hot button issue. Yep. You got a league that's seventy percent African American, and was sitting on Friday going into Saturday with. 
One black coach in the entire league. He caught up with Matthew Slater, who's been around forever, and his dad played in the league, Jackie Slater. What would you guys talk about? He was fantastic. He was doing some interviews, and then uh, and I just brought it right up to him because he was in a flow, and I said, hey, uh, you know, I have to ask you, just in general, what your, situa- your, your thoughts, you've been around, you're a three-time Super Bowl champion, um, you come from, you know, you played for one of the greatest minds, and you've seen a lot of things. What is your take on the Brian Flores situation, the lawsuit, and racial equality in the league? Well, I certainly appreciate that question. And, you know, I think it goes without saying that we have a problem. Uh, I don't know if it's the process. Uh, I don't know what you want to attribute it to, but you look at the end result for our league to be composed of 60% African-Americans and to only have one African-American coach, uh, one minority owner, uh, not a lot of representation within front office and upper management. Uh, To me, it says we have a problem. Uh, I don't know how we address it, but I do believe that this game uh, is meant to include everyone at all levels. And, uh, you know, I hope we can make the necessary progress. I don't want to take shots at the NFL. I don't want to take shots at at anything that's going on because I don't have a solution to provide. But I do I do think that Brian makes some some very good points, some points that those of us within the black community have known for a long time and talked about. And, uh, you know, I just hope that we can find a way forward uh, that's going to be progressive, inclusive. Um, and make our game better. Willie also talked to the uh, Colts' best defensive player about the same topic. Of course. <laughs> of course. There's not enough African-American um, um, head coaches, uh, not enough head, um, African-Americans um, out here um, as coaches. Is, you know, that's, that's so many times where you think that you, know, you, want, you want African-American coaches. You make sure it's 50-50, you know, giving everybody an equal shot. Um, you know, for me, when it, when it comes down to whoever doing the job, you know, you take the race out of it. Who's best for the job? Who who can come in and change a change a program or change a franchise? That's what it's truly about. And I feel like you know, African American coaches sometimes get the short end of the stick. So we just got to find a way to get that going. You know, a lot of owners and stuff, you know, behind closed doors says a lot of things, and you know, us as players, we don't get to see that. You know, and coaches, you know, um, with the bribing, like you said, with the, the lose, you know, it sucks, and you. You want you want to make a change. You got to, somehow we got to find a way to make it an even platform for all races, not just you know blacks or whites, but for all races. We got to make sure that it's equal opportunities for everyone. You brought up the bribing. I got to ask you: Do you believe that that takes place? Of course, and that's what I mean on that. Of course. Darius Leonard, uh, you asked uh, also asked Matthew Slater about the bribe stuff. Uh, I certainly haven't heard that. Um, I've, I've never heard accusations anywhere remotely close to that. So. Uh, certainly something that surprised me and uh, one thing we've never done in New England is, is, is tank so <laughs> I know that and uh, you know we'll see what comes of that um, that's between the NFL and those teams I'll tell you the one thing that I appreciated from both of those guys they they, they addressed the issues they said yes there's a problem yes it needs to be addressed so on and so forth but they both alluded to one thing they did not come out straightforward and say just start hiring a bunch of african american no. they what they said was let's get the let's let's make sure they're for getting the best person so the yeah, Leonard they, said they, everyone gets a fair chance yeah right everyone should get a fair chance oh, yeah. it's not not much to ask for 
364-1100, Caller 7, Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. A couple of tickets. Ari will give them to you September 15th. It's a ways off. Uh, Nine Inch Nails. But tickets are on sale this Friday, 10 a.m., Ticketmaster.com. It's Nine Inch Nails, September 15th, Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood. You're talking about 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. First album back in, what, 1989? You remember that? Remember that? Pretty Hate Machine? I remember Nine Inch Nails. I never listened to it. I actually saw them in concert with, like, maybe 500 people in Philadelphia, like right at the start of their career. I was like, oh, these guys are pretty good. And then they 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 kind of blew up just a little bit. And now they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they're playing here. September 15th, couple tickets. Ari's got them. Nine Inch Nails, 364-1100. Caller 7, 364-1100. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. If we are going to actually put on our thinking caps and fix the Pro Bowl, in my mind, the number one thing that football players want to do and will do at a competitive level, to quote Jim Harbaugh, with an effort uncommon and unknown to mankind, is play basketball. Let the AFC and NFC play a five-on-five pickup hoops game against each other. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Excellent attempt by Michael Jr. at some comedy, but uh, from a practical standpoint, if they won't tackle each other, and as Willie wanted earlier, they won't even play flag football. They're not playing basketball and risking injury. So creative, and, and the way he delivered it was pretty funny, but no. Remember, remember, when, you, remember when we were kids and, and every Friday we'd watch the Battle of the TV Stars, whatever it was called? Maybe they should just come up with stuff like that. Superstars? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Maybe just come up with that little just, obstacle just, course. Just remember, and I've always told the story because I saw it in horror, but uh, bodybuilder Franco Colombo was walking a refrigerator on his back and his leg folded inward. So you get hurt doing superstars too. Not to rain on your parade. I don't remember Gabe Kaplan and Joyce DeWitt carrying refrigerators. Uh, I believe Gabe Kaplan took a spear through his shoulder one time on the javelin field. You don't remember that? Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah. Chrissy actually <laughs> threw it down. She got mad at him. Oh, Chrissy. These things happen. I'm an old TV junkie as well. Uh, let's get into the Giants, and let's get into the Raiders hire of Patrick Graham, because I keep reading what a coup this is. So let's go to an expert on the subject and talk a little football. Uh, Jordan Ranan covers the Giants for... ESPN.com. How you doing, buddy? Good. What's going on, man? It's a fair statement. I mean, there's people that are definitely disappointed uh, that Patrick Graham is no longer with the Giants. I know you can sit there and stare at the numbers, and it's not beautiful, but uh, with what he had to work with and what he produced, there was a lot of people happy, including some people I know inside the Giants organization. Oh, wait a second. Now I'm very confused here. Um, wait, are some people in the Giants organization, you said they're unhappy or they're happy he's gone? Unhappy. unhappy. Oh. I, I yeah. I mean, they, they won't, there's people that they wanted to keep him. I mean, there's people there that were, you know, inside the organization. Do any of them uh, feel like they were betrayed, Jordan? Uh, I don't know how you could feel that way because... <laughs> They fired his best, one of his closest friends. Right. Uh, you know, and so after promising him over and over again, he was going to get time. You're going to get time. So, like, how can they sit there and look themselves in? Well, Patrick Graham betrayed us. 
think it works that way. Right. So in a way, Patrick Graham's looking around and going, "Well, you know, you can't trust these people. You know, if they if they dump my buddy." You mentioned the numbers. I was looking at the numbers. Give me the bad numbers because I don't think the numbers. I, I actually. I looked, and I'm like, eh, the numbers weren't as bad as I thought. And also explain to the Vegas audience some of the limitations with the defensive roster. Yeah, I, mean, I think they ranked 21st in offense this year. They were awful at the end of half. I mean, if you go look, I forget the final number, but they were outscored something like, I mean, it's probably because their offense was so bad, but like 133 to nothing or something like that at the end of the, end of the first half, you know, the final two minutes of the first half. Uh, but that's what happens because, quite frankly, the limitations when you talk about it were, they don't have any real edge rushers, any serious edge rushers that threaten the other team. So when you're unable to get those big pressures and sacks and, and you know negative plays like that, you know especially when the other team is just going back and throwing it at the end of the half, that's when it comes back to bite you the most. And I think that's if you look if you go dig into numbers, that's a big part of where uh, some of the problems that the Giants did have under Patrick Graham kind of show their face. But I mean overall, I think you look at I mean I think the year before. Uh, defensive efficiency, they were a top 10 team, I believe, eight. Uh, and that, again, that was with like marginal talent. So, uh, he did a pretty good job. And, and, uh, I think they, they, I spoke to a general manager from another team and, you know, and he was like, eh, the Giants lost a good coach. I mean, it's going to be mm-hmm. tough to fill. I'm sure they wanted to keep him. So, uh, when other general managers and other teams and other teams in the division are kind of celebrating that he left, I think that kind of speaks volumes of, of what the Giants had as, as their defensive coordinator. Raiders have a new D.C. in Patrick Graham. He was with the Giants, a Patriots family guy as well, and was actually just mm-hmm. up for the Vikings head coaching job and apparently had like a nine-hour interview. I guess they, they did that with everyone. How close do you hear that he was for that head coaching gig in uh, Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, he was in that conversation for sure. He was, I think, well, as far as I heard, was in the final two. Uh, he impressed the Giants he interviewed for the head coaching job. Uh, with the Giants, and he impressed them as well. I mean, I don't think the Giants were in a position where he was a real realistic candidate because it would signal not enough change for the organization and a fan base that wanted significant change. Uh, so it would just would have been a tough, a tough hire for the Giants if you're talking about uh, perception wise. So uh, yeah, that that. But uh, Minnesota. Sounds like you got pretty close, and he's on the verge. And even last year, this is the one thing about hiring Patrick Graham. If you're Vegas, there's a possibility that Vegas has a good year. They might not. He might not be there the next year because he had an opportunity even this year to interview for the Jets job. He hmm. turned that down. But the fact that he's on these other teams' radars, I spoke to an executive of the team, uh, you know, who you know was looking to be a general manager at some point, and I said to him, "Hey, you know, before this started." Hey, if you let's say you got a head coaching job, who what candidates would interest you? And one of the names that he brought up to me unsolicited was Patrick Graham. So uh, he's likely to be part of that head coaching hiring cycle again next year or the year after if Vegas has, has any success with him. He's a Yale guy, right? He is a Yale guy, an Ivy League guy. He likes to, uh, you know, self-deprecating humor and downplay and. Pretend like he's not that smart, and uh, he's pretty smart. All right, what do you think of this? I've, I started talking about it last year. I'm not sure this is some uh, you know brilliant take, but I do think there is a transition around the league with more owners going with kind of the nerds versus the big galoots. Now, Dan Campbell got a job, and to me, that's like the big galoot guy who's the rah rah guy. <laughs> What do you, like? What do you, when you so, talk to people? You know, uh, Mike McDaniel's is like yeah, the guy, right? He's a, yeah. he's a yell guy too. That's, that's, 
yeah, he's 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 sort of like the poster boy for that, I think, right now. So what do you think of this transition from you know, uh, big glutes or like, you know, hardcore football guys to the guys who are in their 30s and 40s and might not have the traditional football education, but they're highly educated. I think it's really the natural evolution of football in a way because we're seeing, uh, you know, analytics and, uh, game, you know, game theory kind of enter the NFL. I mean, you see Brandon Staley with the Chargers, like, right? Some people are like, oh, you can't do that. Or, you, know, you know, the old legend <laughs> crowd, you know, anti-analytic crowd. Like, oh, my God, see, he cost them the game, but they would refuse to acknowledge that there's all the times where they are successful, right? Right. right. I mean, you got to look at both sides, but that's the whole beauty of it is, okay, if we're doing it 10 times, or, you know, let's say 100 times throughout the season, and we're successful 65% of the time, that's going to help us in the long term. So we're willing to sacrifice the times where you might not, where the 35% where you're not going to be successful. So, yeah, I mean, this is an evolution of football. It's in every sport. Look, you, you watch baseball lately. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everyone swings for the fences, right? Because there's, there's stats and analytics to prove that this is the, you know, the best way to win. And uh, so, I mean, this is kind of where football is going. There. Slowly but surely, I mean, you're talking about one of the most successful and least progressive leagues of all time. Think about the way that they spot uh, the NFL, the football, the yeah. NFL. Yeah. You, you, I mean, that's the NFL. The way that the officials run and and figure out where the ball goes out of bounds on punts. I mean, talking about just like a barbaric, basically, ways of, of like of, of operating in and with with the technology we have in the, in the 21st century. You know, that's that's football. So we're we're moving forward, and I think that's what you're seeing here a little bit. Not, they're not completely there yet. Talking to Jordan Rannon, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the New York Giants. Jordan, um, real quick, I wanted to ask you about Patrick Graham again. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that Gus Bradley did when he came here in the in the one year he was here was he had because because of his long history, he was able to bring some key components that sort of resurrected that defense and and helped things out because mm-hmm. they knew his system. Has is Patrick Graham, has he established that sort of relationship with guys around the league that he's coached in his stops, New England, uh and New York, Green Bay, Miami. Has he established that sort of, is he a is he a very likable guy from his players? Oh yeah, his players love him. I mean you saw I think that influence you look at the Giants, look at they signed some of their biggest signings. Logan Ryan on the back end. That's the guy where did Logan Ryan play? New England, right? That's one of his stops. So he knows Patrick Graham, and he knew Joe Judge from there. Uh, Blake Martinez, the middle linebacker they signed to kind of run everything. Guess where? Guess what? Blake Martinez was a linebacker in Green Bay. Guess who his linebacker coach was for a year in Green Bay? Patrick Graham. So I mean, you you, you could see his fingerprint prints on a lot of these moves. Uh, very popular guy. Runs a very multiple defense, so they like change up like depending on the week or depending on the opponent. That's sort of the philosophy that they run. So um, I think you're going to see a focus on adding. They like to the, the whole New England viewpoint, and Patrick Graham is part of that. It's kind of building from the back end, which is kind of interesting. Like I'm talking about the secondary, right? And that's kind of the opposite of what you got in Vegas so far. So I would anticipate them adding some pieces to who, who, who it is, whether it has a New England. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, they're trying to build up that back end a little bit compared to what you are at now. So, Jordan, with the uh, 
Rich Basaccia looks like he's moving on to Green Bay. And, of course, he, that not only vacates mm-hmm. the interim head coach job that Josh McDaniels now has as the permanent head coach. There's a special teams opening, and we're hearing the Raiders are interested uh, in Joe Judge. Are you hearing that back there? It's definitely something that uh, has been discussed. I, 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 can, I can confirm that. There's definitely been some discussions there. Uh, he's obviously close with Josh McDaniels. So there's there's the natural connection there. I think Joe Judge has to weigh certain things, but um, I think you know it's definitely something that, that he was considering at this point. And uh, you know he has been a successful offensive coordinator, uh, but I, I mean sorry, special teams coordinator. Uh, but I also think he's got to figure out what's best for him personally, right? Because his name has been sort of just muddied of what happened this year. People think he's a bumbling idiot, which I think is the furthest thing from the truth. I think the perception of what people think of him and what he really is in regards to, you know, uh, his ability to relate to people and uh, just him as a coach in general, it doesn't really match what it is. I mean, he was, they fell apart. There's no doubt about that. He was part of that, but uh, Joe Judge has had a lot of success uh, coaching under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And, uh, you know, they were, people were happy after year one. This year just kind of happened to fall apart on him. And uh, maybe it was, you know, partly of his own doing. And uh, he's got to figure out, okay, what's the best way for me to resurrect my career here? And is it to just be a special teams coordinator at this point? Uh, I think that's what he's kind of trying to figure out at the moment. Yeah, I can tell you in New Jersey, if Joe Judge gets the job following. Uh, on the heels of Chris Ash getting the DB job, there'll be some people in the Garden State who are like, what are the Raiders doing? Yeah, exactly. But, hey, you ever see what Nick Saban does down there in Alabama? Yes. Right? That, that's, that's, the the it's, it's, that's the better gig. That's the better gig is go volunteer at freaking Alabama, and I think it's a better rehab than working in the NFL. Right. I mean, that's what he does, right? Isn't that, isn't that what uh, Nick Saban does? for You go to Alabama for coaching rehab. Yep. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what these guys do, so... I think this is the same kind of concept here of what Joe Judge is looking for. Jordan Rannon, a couple more minutes we need from you for some important stuff here. He covers the Giants, ESPN.com. I'm going to circle back to Graham one more time. Uh, What do you make, and I think it was an interview from last year or the year before, what do you make when you hear a defensive coordinator talk about, hey, we really don't have a style? You know, it's not 3 4, it's not 4 3. It could be 4 2 5. Because I will tell you, I like Gus Bradley. I think he did a good job, but he was a bit inflexible uh, with the Raiders. The Raiders were one of the teams just got blown off the field both times by the Chiefs because they insisted on not going with what everyone else was trying to do to slow down the Chiefs. Yeah, well, I wanted you to think for a second, okay? Bill Belichick made his mark as what? A defensive coach, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what is uh, what, a defensive genius, right? And what, is, what is Bill Belichick as a coach? He believes in exactly what Patrick Graham just said right there. Right? If you look at like how the Patriots when Belichick, Bill Belichick has been running the defense over the years, I mean, they, they morph from week to week. It's kind of like the concept of what you saw. Remember they played the Bills? I know this is the other side of the ball. But they morphed from like, okay, right. we're a team that passed the ball, or we're just going to change the game plan this week because this is what benefits us. This is what the situation dictates. We're just going to become a total running team. We're not even going to pass the ball. Would they throw three passes? It was, I think the number was great. Yep. That's the same concept that we're talking about here I am on the defense side. Uh, you know, they like to, you know, morph depending on the opponent, and that's the beauty of it. Now, 
it's a lot easier said than done because you have to be a great coach to be able to teach that to your players on a week-by-week basis and to have them be able to, you know, handle, because, like, some of these guys, you know, and some of these coaches, they're not able to teach that on a week-by-week basis. And, you, you know, that that's why they stick with one defense, and so you don't overcomplicate things for guys. So that's really the fine line, I think, that Patrick Graham and this kind of approach, you know, yields. But he's shown that he can do a pretty good job with it. You don't hear that from players, and I didn't hear that from players, but, oh, it's just over. It's too complicated. It's too complicated. Even. And that's kind of the thing. You know, it's funny. Steve Spagnola, who has had a ton of success in his career now, he's the chief defensive coordinator. You used to hear that with him all the time. Every year, you know, the first few games, the defense struggles. The veterans have to go in and say, it's too complicated. Simplify for us. Well, Patrick Graham does a pretty good job with that, of simplifying and saying, okay, here's your responsibilities. This is what we're going to ask you to do. And you'll see a lot of specialization on the roster. He'll use everyone on that Raiders roster. And there'll be a lot of specialization. And guys will be used in specific packages, specific roles. Here is what we're going to ask from you. The one thing we ask from you in this game is to do, you know, is to cover in this package. You know, in this zone package. And you know, I think that's really the, the beauty of what you're going to see from Patrick Graham. Well, we're excited to see it. We're excited to see a lot of changes in uh, Raiders land. We appreciate the info. And the uh, background on Patrick Graham. Jordan, thanks for stepping up for us. You got it. Anytime. I think Patrick Graham's going to like uh, the fact that he's going to work with players like Max Crosby. He didn't have, didn't have that kind of pass rusher with the Giants. So I think that might have played a big part in why he's over there right now. There you go. Thanks, Jordan. You got it. Have a good one, guys. Jordan Rannon. All NFL conversation this week and Super Bowl previews brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. These guys are Las Vegas-based attorneys, right? Not carpetbaggers coming into the market. Uh, they're here to help you protect your rights. If you've been injured, last thing you want to deal with is insurance companies, body shops, court systems, scheduling doctor's appointments. They'll take care of all of it. Battleborn injury lawyers, when uh, your medical bills are piling up and you're unable to work, you got to call them, 570-9000. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Fat Pack time, National Fettuccine Alfredo Day. I mean, we're getting really specific with some of these days. Sure. I'm not anti-Fettuccine Alfredo. I'm not pro. And I'm actually shocked a lot of times because I I don't understand what Ari is writing. Um, I think I read this correctly. Do you like something on one of these national (laughs) days finally? Yeah, sometimes, every now and then. Yes, LFG. You know what that means. I'm excited. Willie, do you believe this? Uh, Seems kind of heavy for Ari's liking. It well, it, it, it depends. I mean, fettuccine Alfredo is a is a dish that it's sort of it's why I mean that's the thing that like you know like kids are going to go in. It's, they've they've they have fettuccine Alfredo on kids menus now, not just spaghetti meatballs. Do you think because, it's kind of infantile to like uh, fettuccine Alfredo? No, or is it more is no, it more of an American is, Italian meal? 
No, I don't think it's American. I just think that it's it, so many people love that that creamy, the cheesy. But it's got to be done properly. Like some people overdo the the Alfredo sauce, which is made with Parmesan cheese. But if you put the actual grated where it's ground down like the powder and you mix it and you don't do it well, you're not whisking it, it ruins the whole thing. You have to do it with the good quality cheese. You have to prepare it properly. Otherwise, the Alfredo sauce, that's the key to the making. Is that, that little bag that's like $1.19 from Lipton? Is that good fettuccine Alfredo? Is that, was that what Ari likes, you think? He's, oh. a, he's a, put him in time. I've had that before. It's not good. No. Good value. It is good but value. you'd like it. Yes, of course. Value player. <laughs> it, 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 you know what? It, I kind of liken it to the, uh, the powdered, the, the box of macaroni cheese where you take the powder. If you don't whisk it enough, you know, you, can, you get kind of grainy. Gritty. gritty. Yeah. yeah, so you got to do it right. You got to do it right. And there's, I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a place in town. Okay. There's a place in town called Pasta Shop Ristorante. When they first came here, they were brothers. It was on Trop and Eastern. And he, uh, they, they, they come from Binghamton, New York. And they had a one-page menu, yeah. laminated with the, with the red and white tartan, tartan uh, tablecloths, the whole thing. And it was, I mean, fantastic food. I believe they've moved out to Horizon Ridge. If, if it's the same one, they make some fantastic, authentic food. Now, I'm not knocking some of the classic Casa de Amor, Piero's, Pasta Mia, um, Roma, but... What I am telling you is that that place, if it's at Pasta Shop Ristorante, so there's a, the, the, the address says Horizon Ridge. I'm almost positive it's him. They were two brothers, came to Vegas from Binghamton. They make fantastic, authentic Italian food. Mm-hmm. Fettuccine Alfredo from there. Fat Pack today brought to you by one of our clients, iHeart Mac and Cheese. That's over on uh, Fort Apache in the Tropicana Beltway Center. So thanks to uh, Ray and Shauna for adding that as a, a client in uh, in recent times, you mentioned uh, value. You mentioned value player, right? So I went to the game yesterday, the Pro Bowl. I have not gone to a, a, an event at Allegiant as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, beer prices are significantly lower than the Fortress. Did you have beer? What's up with that? Of course. Yes. Call cans, I think, were as low as 13. I think they're 21. At VGK games, uh, but I will say I may have. Who needs a story for the I team or whatever these local news channels do to ruin local businesses? Oh um, what do you got? Well, the people with me actually pointed this one out. The, the and I, I don't know your SO. I thought. Yeah, well, there's multiple people with us. It was all it was all ladies. Um, I don't know if this is the case in any other stadium, and maybe I just never noticed. I'll show you a picture. You know what? I'm going to show you a picture on, uh, during the break. Okay. Um, I think there may be at Allegiant a spillage issue with your drinks. I'm not sure anyone else has noticed this. I'm sure they have. But uh, the way the seats and the cup holders are built, very interesting. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So we were just talking about Tiltgate, the cup holders at the Al. I hadn't been to a, a game, went to the Pro Bowl yesterday, and I noticed the uh, the beer, any kind of drink, quite a tilt, Willie. Quite tilt, a tilt. Tiltgate. And that, it's funny. You a lot of spillage, up, a lot of spillage potentially. That was brought up to me by um, my top-notch 
I argue, the best chiropractor in town. And her, right? Your chiropractor and, saw it. And her, well, they had season tickets to UNLV football. And mm-hmm. her fiance, who is also a chiropractor, um, Ricky and Johnny, and they, she had pointed out, she was like, look at Johnny's drink. But they brought that, they brought that same point up. It was funny that you brought that so up. So do we know? Um, well, when's the next VGK game you're covering? I know the schedule's broken up a little bit now. Uh, next, uh, not this, not not this week. Next Wednesday is a makeup game. Wednesday and Friday they got makeup game. Can you look into this for me? I will for the audience. It's I very, it's very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Ashley Weiss is busy. I'm not going to ask her to, you know, go and do some dopey yeah, investigative not. piece. I'm not, I'm not. I don't have to file 400 at the buzzer, but I'll go down and check for you. <laughs> I did suggest you're not busy. That was that was pretty good. Uh, Ashley Weiss is with us, sideline reporter, ringside reporter. Let me get it right. Hockey expert. How are you? I'm good, guys. It's been a while. I don't know if I can live up to all that, but I'll try. Well, my concern is, I, you know, when I go to the games, I, I do like to drink a beer or two, and I do. I'm very, as you should. I'm very cheap. He's talking about the cup holder. Did you catch on to yeah, that? It's, it's, it's the cup holder in the back of the seats at Allegiant. There's a tilt. Now I understand they don't want it to spill on the people in front of you, but you know, I was like, oh, man, I got to chug half of this, or this thing's going to spill on the ground. So, so what are you thinking? Is there just yeah? You can't waste that. They're clipping you. I don't, but I don't think it's done on. This might be like a new stadium thing. I don't know. Mm. I don't. We'll get down to the bottom of it. So Willie sends me notes, Ashley, about the uh, NHL Star Weekend, and I was already, you know, to recap it, have a lot of fun, and Willie kind of ruined it. Whoa! Well, you did. You complained about the game. I complained or, about or the, the activities. The, wait a minute. I complained about the Pro Bowl. I had nothing to. I even said in All Star Weekend, I didn't watch one second of any of the festivities. But I feel like I you was were enthusiastic covering... about not watching it. No, no, no. I said that because I was at the Athletes Unlimited. I would have watched. I I like the hockey okay. All Star. I like the skills competition. Ashley, set him straight. Set him straight. Because then we have got a lot of fans who are like anti All Star Game people. What was it like? Yeah. You know, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, the skills competition, like Willie just mentioned, to me, that's the best part, seeing guys put their skills on display. They had some fun surprises, fun themes, uh, special appearances, stuff like that. But to me, even just like fastest skater competition, it's one thing to see guys like Connor McDavid fly in a game setting. It's totally different when you try to see him get top speed. Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking, actually, watching the fastest skater competition, watching him round those corners you don't ever want anyone to blow a tire especially some of those guys I guess most of them I guess actually don't wear helmets out there Um, but I I think the skills competition is the best part personally Um, but the all-star game you know it was awesome too you get to see that three on three it's always so fun for us to watch that in overtime in the regular season the players and coaches hate it but it always you know keeps us on the edge of our seats so you know three 20 minute games of that you can't hate it and the very first time I, you know, when the Gold Knights got here, and then obviously you're starting to watch anything that takes place, the outdoor games of this, that, you know, if I, so when I first watched the also the very first year, Mark Andre Fleury, I believe that he won the uh, save streak. Is that what it is? Is that what that one is? The save streak? I believe he, yeah. he won that year, the, the, the inaugural season of the Gold Knights. Um, I said right then and there, I feel like of all All Stars, Home run derby, slam dunk, which I think has jumped the shark. I mean, there's only so many blindfolds they can do, jump over a car, so on and so forth. I think that the NHL skills competition is better than any other sports all-star weekend. I completely agree. And there are times where I, like, for example, the breakaway competition, there are times where maybe I'd rather just see a guy's best move 
uh, rather than, you know, the dressing up and this and that. But then you have a guy like Trevor Zegers that comes in and he has the theme. He has mascots throwing dodgeballs on him. He's blindfolded. No one knows if he actually was blindfolded. But then he pulls off a move like he did, the spin around the back, if you guys saw that. Pretty unbelievable. So, no, I agree. I think it's my favorite for sure. And the guys really do have a good time with it. I was lucky enough to be on the bench during the skills competition part of it. And they're all just giving each other a hard time. They're all interested in what the other one's doing. So, you know, they're competitive guys. So they want to win their skill for sure. You've been around the, the sport uh, a lot longer than I have. But, I mean, I remember when the NBA brought the All-Star game uh, years back. And now in one weekend we have NHL, NFL um, Las Vegas, obviously, as you know, is becoming a hotbed for so many things. How did you think that the town responded, and how do you think that the league responded to having it here? So that's that's a good question. I think that the league responded really well. I think the NHL as a whole, I think they responded well, but I also don't think anyone was surprised. I think going to the cup final that first year, uh, the league really saw the way Vegas shows up for their professional sports teams, I guess, multiple teams now. So I, I they, they received it all very well. They were very impressed, but not surprised. And I kind of got that same vibe from the all-stars that weren't, you know, golden knights that were here for the events as well. They loved it. They had a lot of fun. People, I think, were out a little bit too late the night before each event, uh, maybe having too much fun at times. But on the same token, they weren't surprised by any of it because they're used to going into T-Mobile Arena and it's known around the league as the most fun building to play in. Uh, in some ways, it's the most intimidating, but in other ways, it's just fun from even warm-up. Guys are always talking about how they have an adrenaline rush just after warm-up, and they kind of have to talk themselves down if they're a member of the opposing team just from all the energy in that building. So I think that the league and the All-Stars definitely were impressed, but, again, not surprised. And then as far as the way the city reacted to it, I know I was at Fanfare, I guess, three of the four days for different things, and it was Honestly, the only time it wasn't as packed, I was there Friday morning. It was kids day. So there were some kids there on field trips and things like that, which was super cool to see. But every other time I was there, it was packed. The line to see the Stanley Cup was so long. They had, you know, different alum in to come and NHL alumni to talk about, you know, their careers, talk about hockey in Vegas, talk about all these things. And there were also fans walking around. You always want to see the Golden Knights jerseys, right? But it was kind of cool to see so many different teams fans represented there because you know it just goes to show that vegas is a hockey town and it's had hockey fans in it for a long time it really has and a lot of transient uh you know hockey fans but let me ask you this ash so you're told let's just hypothetically you're told hey you're gonna have all-star week off go have fun and you're sitting in a cab in cabo and then all of a sudden you get a call and say hey we need you to be on the national broadcast you're gonna get out of that cab and head back because uh, someone else Oh, did. I think I would. For sure. I'll take a quote from Jonathan Marsh. So he said, Cabo is always going to be there, but the all-star game might not be, right? So, uh, yeah, I thought it was incredible that he had the chance to do that. I wish the league could have asked him a little bit earlier. That was my reaction when I heard it was happening. I was like, they couldn't have done this yesterday. You know, they were literally just 12 hours uh, late. Um, with him having he wouldn't have had to go through all that headache but so cool to see him here I talked a little bit with Pete DeBoer 
And he said that was what he thought was the best part of the All-Star weekend is the fact that Jonathan Marcheseau was able to be a part of it. He said there was nothing that he enjoyed more than watching the fans react to him and watching him get to experience that. And I'm so glad. I know when the last man in voting was happening, I thought these fans have to get him in. And I was so disappointed when it was Troy Terry from Anaheim, although he was certainly deserving as well. But yeah, I think I'd do it, especially for a national game. Why not? Ashley Weiss, VGK, ringside reporter. Let's close on this one. I mean, right now it's kind of guesswork, but we're seeing the guy around. For the fans, like, what's a realistic uh, estimate that you tell them on Jack Eichel in a return? Gosh, you know, it's hard to say. I think that Vegas is in a position right now where they're playing well, so they're not in a position of having to rush him, and that's a good thing. I, you know, him being out of that non-contact jersey today, I heard you say that uh, earlier in the show, that's definitely a good sign. I typically, typically, I usually want to say that's like a week or two away, typically, but then you see the situation that Alec Martinez has been in, and he's been out of non-contact for several weeks now, but has had setbacks that we are all clear on what those setbacks are but he's still not necessarily getting into game action. So it's hard to say for sure. There's that game in March in Buffalo. I would imagine Jack Eichel wants to be in the lineup for that one. Uh, But yeah, I don't have a good date. I mean, again, all signs point to sooner rather than later for sure. But the good news is uh, Vegas is not in a position of having to rush him as long as they can get through these next couple games playing the way that they were before the break. Anything coming up? Uh, it's all interesting, but super interesting with uh, yeah. night li- with nightlife. Oh, good question. Um, nightlife. Actually, there's no nightlife show this week. There is one next week, and so that one's going to have just a ton of all star content, which nice. I'm excited about. I tried to get some behind the scenes content on the stuff that I did throughout the weekend, just with my cell phone and AT&T Sportsnet had people at fanfare all over the place, um, aiming to hopefully get some sit downs uh, with Petrangelo Stone, Marcia So to kind of reflect on what their weekend is like. So that'll be fun. I'm really excited. Next Wednesday, we're aiming to shoot a feature on the mites at night. Have you guys ever seen during the intermissions? Yes, very good stuff. I'm pumped. (laughs) <laughs> to hopefully I'm trying to get them to let me do some walk off interviews like I would with a golden night with some of those kids uh, coming off the rink. So that's something to look out for. Cause I think that'd be a really fun time. And then there's also a charity night coming up. Um, so that nightlife will cover that, but there's a charity yeah, night every year on a broadcast and that's mid March. So all that we're looking out for. Awesome. That was a great list. Ashley, you're great. Thank you so much for joining us on Short Notice. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. There you go. VGK reporter, broadcaster, Ashley Vice. By the way, I did hear some of the people, you know, Marcia So coming back from Cabo. I heard some of the people walking away from the Pro Bowl who were like, it would have been really cool to have Tom Brady here. God, I wish they could have worked that out. You know, retires and no freaking Pro Bowl. Come on, TB12.